0: Hi, my name is Ian Parry and welcome to What the Future, a podcast produced by Future Leaders Mentoring. Today we're trying trying something new with a coaching session on quality of mind with expert Piers Thurston and coaches Helen Gillett and Andy Colton. Morning, everybody. Good morning, Morning. morning. evening, afternoon. Helen, Andy, how are you feeling as sort of guinea pigs in this
1: new sort of test of our podcast? Intrigued And, and up for it.
2: Yeah, the same. I think uh, having spoke with Piers a couple of times previously and done a bit of reading and listening before, uh, definitely intrigued. I I wouldn't say sceptical because I know, you know, like you say, Ian, you've been on some of these courses, but yeah, I want to know more. I want to know more. So, yeah, really looking
3: forward to this.
0: (laughs) How are you feeling, Piers?
3: Brilliant. Up for it. I I love things like this. So just let it unfold and see where we go. So really appreciate um, the opportunity, so really up for it. Thank you, everyone.
0: No worries. So, so, Piers, you and I met a number of years ago when I was first introduced to quality of mind. Um, and this is my hope today: is that we share enough as a group, and and you share enough as an expert within the podcast, so that people listening will get some insight from it and will want to learn more. Because this is the thing, I suppose, isn't it? Is we're trying to give a, a bit of insight, as we did with your leadership um, podcast most recently, and I think that's kind of how we got to where we got to today. People wanting to learn more about it, so I'm hoping that we can we can learn more. So, could you start maybe with a with a short summary of what this world of quality of mind is, and, and get us all on the same page, if you would mind?
3: Yeah, absolutely. So, thank you, Ian. So, yeah, I should do my best to give a gist. Um, it's not a very gistable subject but I'll I'll give it a go so I've been in the personal professional development coaching training space for 22 years now and about sort of 12 to 15 years ago came across something really quite different that turned on its head how I saw not only the best way to coach and train and help people but how I saw the world uh, and, and reality and to cut the long story short what I've been exploring and developing with uh, quality of mind, and and quality of mind is just a conceptual name and wrapper and codification of something quite foundational, is that a lot of what we've been doing to help ourselves in in the world has been in the world of psychology, trying to have um, better behaviors or better habits or better mindsets and better thoughts, more positive and break through our limiting beliefs and set better goals. That was what I did in the first 10 years of my career around NLP, positive psychology, all that kind of thing. Then what I came to see is actually, we're kind of, we've got it the wrong way around. We're we're, we're sort of, there's a very innocent, invisible misunderstanding of how the mind works and what we are as, as people, what we are as human beings, that has led us into doing all this, what I would call psychological efforting in trying to have better lives better work better relationships better everything and instead of leaning more into that which is what i used to do i'm now helping people start to see have some what i would call realizations about the very nature of thought and consciousness and the self and what we are and when they have that they start to get all these wonderful benefits across life and work in in that level of flow state resilience creativity inspiration love connection all those things so it's turning things on its head it's going what we call upstream and this phrase before psychology to inquire and explore in something we don't normally look at but when we do it tends to start to resonate And that resonate goes from the profound to the practical and turns up in all the benefits that we're we're actually seeking anyway in our life and work. Now, I don't know that's too vague an intro, but it might be paving the the way. Because what I really want to do is bounce off the questions from Andy and Helen, who have had a little dive into this, a bit bit of self-learn. You've been looking at some videos and podcasts, and I'd love to get into it with you guys, which hopefully will be tracking any listener who's also curious.
0: Yeah, no, that's a that's a good good intro. So, obviously, Andy and Helen, you're you experienced leaders across many industries, and, and no doubt you've been through lots of leadership development courses yourselves. Um, so you're no stranger to new approaches to things. Uh, and in your in your delving into this, what were the sort of what were the sort of things that sort of came to mind, either questions for peers or observations? Um, that that y- y- you came to when you were looking at it.
2: So, if I if I start first, um, so I, th- I understood um, and I I understand the benefits that Piers has talked about and from the material about how it can give you that. Um, I know your peers are probably going to shout at me. I'm probably going to get the terminology wrong, but it's like a different way of of looking at things and that whole before psychology before that all that other stuff kind of kicks in you'll have a fresh perspective. I suppose that for me, um, like I was mentioning a little while ago, it's the, yeah, but how do you do that? You know, because, and it could be for me, my brain is so used to, and so, you know, been trained for the psychology type stuff because of all the training courses I've been on and, you know, the various things that I've done over time. I think I've, I've found it really difficult to try and get out of that, you know, that cycle i need to okay, you know okay cuz i, I want to do it you know i, w- I want to experience it and it sounds like all the benefits that y- you talk about peers you know i would I, I would i need you know i want in my life <laughs> yeah so it's almost like how do you get there I, and i know we can't do it in a 45 minute podcast would be perhaps just outline how do you get there then how, how what are the steps to you know getting from where i am now to you know someone who who's um, who's there
3: yeah, thank you, Andy. No, that's a very, very common question. <laughs> so I, I will, in a moment, I'll do my best to give you a little answer to that. Um, is, is it um, worth asking Helen what question yeah, yeah, she having? and our, I might merge them all together in my answers? So
1: yeah, I mean, I think it's probably really connected. Um, and we were talking about this the other day, Piers. I, I like, I get it, but I also don't get it. And um, to Andy's point, I think we've been very conditioned to think about we can always develop ourselves we can always tools and techniques all that all that stuff that you've talked about being being there in the traditional way of thinking about kind of personal professional development personal improvement and I'm to be honest one of the things I'm intrigued about is how you sell this because it's a very hard sell to the corporate world to say hey, believe me, it works, but I can't really explain how. <laughs> You're going to have to try it. And I'm, I'm fascinated. I'm fascinated by that. I'm fascinated by how you overcome the, the likely mainstream majority sceptical view that says bit fluffy, bit, bit difficult to pin down, and, and, and because, because it's, we all know, because we've been doing this a long time, it's hard enough to get people to the stage where they think it's worth having coaching. So coaching is always seen as a nice to have, where actually we know it's transformational. It, is, it, is, it unlocks things in people that makes enormous differences to their professional and personal lives. It's a no-brainer, but it's not a no-brainer to an awful lot of businesses, a lot of leaders, a lot of spreadsheet people. So how on earth you take something that is less tangible than that and go, no, but really you should pay me to do this. I'm intrigued by that too.
3: (laughs) Well, I'll start with that one at the end, because um, basically it wouldn't surprise you to hear that, you know, most of my work comes from recommendation. And what people will say is I've been told to talk to you. They can't explain it, but it's just amazing. Right. Um, And I get people coming on courses and they'll say that. So really, the reason this isn't mainstream yet is because of everything you said. So the, the the way the way I sell a marketer is by people doing the work for me, and 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 also podcasts like this where people can get a little bit of intrigue because you're right. There is a lot of conditioning in the way, which is kind of leaning into Andy's question: is how, I need to know how? I need to know how? Right? There's a lot of skeptical conditioning in the way. However, what we've got going for us is underneath that, and usually not very far underneath it, there's a there's a, there's a there's a part of us that resonates with something when it when they hear it, and that intrigue that you mentioned, Helen, is that I'm intrigued, right? And usually, if you're intrigued at two levels, there's there's intrigued at a kind of there's something in this that I resonate with, but I can't really explain, and then there's a sort of intellectual goal: how does it work and what's going on, and and I much prefer talking to the former than the latter, <laughs> but I have to deal with the latter as well. So the short answer to how you sell it and market it, at the moment, it's purely through recommendation. But getting people to explore is is how it's going to spread. And there is a, uh, I would say, as I've been doing this for the last 10 years, there the, there's more openness now than it ever has been. And that's just going to continue. And that's for two reasons. One, because you're getting more and more frustrated with the current system not working. Um, And secondly, there's more people out there talking in a more accessible way. So let's move around a little bit now to look at that massive question that people come to with this. Is like, well, okay, I I love the sound of it. I even resonate a little bit with it, but how?
2: Because it sounds too good to be true. Because you know, on on the face of it,
3: that's the that's yes. the, the thing you know it, it is and it's funny actually that that's quite a uk thing actually <laughs> <laughs> um, we're, we're, we're healthily skeptical and i never mind skeptical cynical's less helpful but but skeptical fine because why shouldn't you be you know um have that healthy skepticism um so the way to answer the question is first of all just to give yourself a little bit of space so if you want to know the answer in 30 seconds or a minute that's just really unhelpful because you'll be jumping towards the answer before you had a chance to explore but but the simplest way that we we get people to see the how is first of all to say what it's not right so this is not about giving you tips and tools and techniques. That's not the how, right? Prescriptions for how your attitude or behavior. There's plenty of those, you know, 10 ways to be an authentic leader, five ways to have a, a powerful conversation, right? It's not behavioral attitudinal prescription. The other thing it's not, is exploring the self in terms of a psychometric or a Belbin or an MBTI or, or, or the, all of those things where you get to understand your style, your belief system, um, your values and axiology. You know, it, it, It's not that. It has an impact on all of those things I've just said, but it's not that. So you might be going, well, if it's not prescriptions and tools and techniques and it's not helping you understand the self, what is it? Well, this is where we come to the, the word upstream. The bit we're looking at that really people don't, it's not conventional to look at yet, is it's asking ourselves a question. Who are we? What are we? What is the nature of reality? Now, you might be going, what has that, it sounds like a philosophical or even science question, got to do with me having more flow as a leader at workplace? Well, absolutely, they're connected. And I'll try and explain that now if I can. But mostly, if, if someone says to you, who are you, how would you normally answer that question? Name, name and number. Yeah. And if I said, tell me a bit more about yourself, you might say, well, I'm a dad of two and I live here and I've done this. And oh, yeah, and I'm a funny guy and I like cycling or, 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 or whatever it is.
0: Right, you might, you might lie at that point, I suppose.
3: Then, in any case. <laughs> I think I'm a funny guy. Yeah. Um, so, so that's generally w- 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 what we think we are is um, some qualities about us, maybe our age, our name, our gender, all those kind of things. Now, let, let's let's dive straight into this and see if we can go into a direct inquiry right here, on, live on this, this podcast. So, is it fair to say? that that who you are, that Andy or Helen or Ian, does at some level come and go? Your experience of it directly, does it come and go, or is it always there?
0: What do you mean by that, Piers?
3: Well, just take the last five minutes we've been recording.
0: Yeah.
3: Have you constantly had, an, in, in your awareness, a sense of Ian? No. Now, I'm asking you now about Ian, and probably you are, right? Yes. And, and yeah. if you look down now, you might see your hands and you might see your legs and you might go, oh, yeah, here, here's me.
0: Yeah.
3: And you might have had the odd thought about Ian, but was it constantly there? No. No. And you know that little phrase that sometimes gets used, I lost myself in my singing or chatting to my friends or my kids or my, my yoga or what we lose yeah. ourselves. Now, when we lose ourself, is that normally a lovely experience or a less good experience? Good. Yeah. Right. So we've been told that this self is what we are. Yeah. Yet, quite a bit of the time in our experience, it's not there, it's not current in our experience. So think about it like this Imagine there's, there's just thoughts and feelings and perceptions that are coming in and out of our awareness. And as you've been sitting here, you'll have different ones going, oh, I wonder what the kids are doing now. Or, you know, um, is, is my mic on loud enough? Or I don't know what they are. And that's that's just thoughts. But sensations, perceptions coming in and out. Even a sense of, of your body and you coming in and out.
1: Have any of them been permanent? No,
0: probably no. not. No.
1: So...
3: If you look at it from direct experience and what we mean by direct experience is without your conceptual intellectual mind telling you how you think reality works, i.e. your belief system. If you look at it from purely direct experience, imagine you're talking to an alien, you know, what we can say is, yes, these things we call thoughts, sensations, perceptions come in and out of, of, of our awareness. Now, they come in and out, but they're not permanent and continuous. Yeah. Yet we've been told that what we are the the, the Andy, Helen, Ian, Piers—is a permanent thing that perceives the world. That we have, you know, this big brain with with its eyes and its and and it's an entity, and it perceives what's out there. What we would call out there—the tree, the bus, the computer you're looking at. That's what we've been told.
0: Mm.
3: Now, here's the question. Have you ever experienced anything without the mind? And I mean the mind in the wider sense of the word mind. Have you ever experienced anything outside of your mind?
0: Well, that's just blown my mind, if that's yeah. the
2: <laughs> question. I mean, my gut, my gut reaction is no, but maybe i don't understand the question
3: well no i i would go with the gut because think about it any and and you can widen are, the question yeah. to has, has anyone but you know imagine an alien's asking you this you know doesn't know anything about how, how we what we've been taught have you experienced anything outside of the mind
2: see i i, I would say no. no because without without your mind and by mind i guess i'm kind of talking brain.
3: Well, Listen. and that, that's a confusion we make. you right. can separate those two, but just, just, just call it awareness for the moment, right? Have yeah. we experienced anything outside of awareness? Well, no. No, otherwise
2: you're not aware by definition. Right, yeah. by definition.
3: Yeah, Yet, what does science say? Materialism and physicalism said there's an external world of matter out there, out there, and consciousness, the ability to be aware, comes from that, it comes from materialism, right? It comes from matter. So the brain is made of atoms and molecules, that, and the brain creates consciousness and then we're experiencing the world but actually that flies right in the face of direct experience direct experience goes well i've got thoughts and sensations and perceptions i'm aware of but i've never directly experienced this thing we call the outside world so you know this follow-up question is have you ever experienced this directly this thing we call the outside world
2: i suppose you've always got an interface right whether it's Touching something or seeing something, but from your mind, you're not directly.
3: Yeah, you're blowing my mind now. <laughs> <laughs> but just inquire with it, go with it. Have we ever directly experienced this outside world without without awareness, right? Without the mind. And the, and the answer has to be kind of no. Mm. Right? So you take this idea that we haven't experienced anything outside of the mind. And what, what, why is that a useful question? Well, it allows us to then kind of go, huh. So I've been brought up to think there's duality, that there's a world out there, right, of trees and buses and people. And then there's me that perceives that world. And then there's a me that has lots of thoughts. So the me that has thoughts about whether I like football or rugby or what I'm going to have for lunch. Right, So we've been brought up to think there's an external world that's separate and there's an internal world of my thoughts about that world. And it's all coming from this me. But then we've just decided that actually, well, we've never really just directly experienced that outside world. And also this me thing comes and goes, and I can be aware of me. I can be aware of peers. So what's the difference? Here's a question for you. What's the difference between a thought about whether you like broccoli or tomatoes on your sandwich and the thought about there being appears at a, at a direct experience level. Are they any different?
1: No,
3: no, no. Now we don't take the thought about broccoli or, or tomatoes on a sandwich that seriously. Most people don't, I don't think, <laughs> <laughs> but we take this thought about their being appears really seriously. And not only do you take it seriously, we think that's what I am right so okay follow follow the logic here this is this is this is ruthlessly logical at the moment so if we're saying well actually we're not quite sure whether there's an external world or not because we never experienced it and this thing i think is perceiving and, and you know the outside world well that comes and goes and it's like a thought the me is a thought what are we Now, I don't want to go dystopian on this, because you go, what do you mean I don't exist? I'm just a thought like broccoli is. Well, (laughs) because there's something else that we are before, if you like, or pre-thoughts, sensations. There's something pre-thoughts, sensations, perceptions. Now this, whatever this is, is a really difficult thing to explain and describe because it needs thought and concept to describe it, but we can get a sense of it. We can get a sense of it. We can get a sense that in little moments, there's a space between thoughts. There's something that is pre-perception, sensation, feeling, thought. You could call it an essence. And there's other podcasts I've done where we take people back into that, right? Little thought experiments to take you back into that. And it might sound woo, it sounds a bit woo-woo, but it's the most ordinary thing. It's the most natural thing because it's what we all are. But what we've done, particularly in our adult state, is we've got so self-identified with the content of our reality. Of our thoughts sensations perceptions, that we've completely missed there's something pre, and we've merged I'll use some technical terms here we've merged the content of our awareness with the capacity for awareness. So take it as a metaphor of a room. We often walk into a room and go, well, "That's a nice picture, or oh, I like your chair, and I, li- I like the, you know I, I, like-, I like the uh, color of the carpet." That's the content of the room.. Mm. we we rarely go in and go oh i I like the space in between the objects in here right (laughs) and it's the same what we've done with our experience because what we what we perceive and think and feel is very tangible that's what we focus on we miss that there's something there that the thoughts perceptions and sensations come into and we've merged the two and all we have to do, it's really very, very simple once we get a little bit of a s- sign of it, is unhook the capacity for awareness, or sometimes it's known as the, know- the knowing of awareness and the content. Because then you start to see, a little bit like a screen on the TV. So if you're watching a, you know, you're watching a TV screen, the sc- you, know, you-, you see all the flashing images and the sounds coming off the, the screen, that's all the content. Right. But this is screen. Now, when the screen is playing, you can't really distinguish between the screen itself and the content. Now, what we tend to have be been brought up to believe is that what we are is the thing looking at the screen. Right. But actually, we are just as much part of the movie. The me, the peers is a character in the movie. Right, So what we have to do is go, hang on, there's something that we are before the me, before the me, before the self. Now, tiny babies are the best illustration of this, because it takes them a a few months, almost a year or so, to get this idea of a self. And actually, for the first few months, they just stare at their hands going, check me out. What what is this? They don't even know they've got a body. (laughs) And then this idea of a self kicks in that you tell them, by the way, you're called whatever. Oh. And they do that thing in the mirror. They can't tell whether the spots on the mirror on their nose. They look at photos of themselves and go, who is that? Is that? that?" And then they'll use their third person name. So this self is not part of the default of the system. It gets conditioned in. And then what we do is we then use the self to seek all the wonderful things we want in the world. The stability, security, the love, the appreciation, the validation. That's where we look. We look to the self to seek that. And that's where we, we, we fall over. Now, let me just pause for a moment and just see where I lost you on all of that. <laughs> Tell me what you're hearing and noticing so far.
1: I think that explanation about the self before, the, the thing about babies makes total sense to me. So that, that, that works. Yeah, so that's what I think. So Helen, so what I'm going to
3: ask you to do then is as well as intellectually you going, I like that, experientially, experientially now rather than conceptually, intellectually, have you had a sense of this, this pre-self, this this, no, this area of the capacity for awareness unhooked from the self? Do, do you know what we're talking about there? Does that have a little resonance with you at an experiential level?
1: I mean, I think, well, I don't know. I, the only thing I can think is when you sometimes feel like you're observing yourself.
3: No, that's the self observing the self. That's that's a different thing. Okay, so that's wrong. Th- right. There's still objects in there, right? <laughs> right, so, right. right, right, right. <laughs> it's going back, and it's going back to almost stripping out the percept, everything we we hear, see, feel, and just going back to a very loose sense of an essence. And it generally tends to feel quite spacious, quite alive, but with with, with no sort of concreteness to it. Quite light, quite. You know, infinite.
1: So maybe, maybe I've had that a little bit when I've been, you know, in the um, relaxation phase of a yoga session, for example. Right. Yeah.
3: Yeah. When you first wake up in the morning before the mind kicks in.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That, that, that kind of, you don't really know where you are, but you're not bothered about not knowing where you are yeah. because you're just sort of, you're just being
3: just being right before the mind go T-t-t-t-t! and yeah. starts revving up yep. it's
1: like a nanosecond by the way <inaudible>
3: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah but there it is there it is right and, and you know sometimes you look at someone and you, you can sometimes catch your kids they are just they're somewhere there's a there's a glint of aliveness in their eye but they're actually quite calm and they're just they're just in it they're just like in awe of something there's no mental activity going on it's that we can we can sense it and feel it in someone or when you lose yourself in nature or a sunset or or, or with, with with a partner you just there's no mental activity it's just that essence
2: but a question here mm. this might be a silly a silly question what, what about an animals so would an animal because what humans are conditioned so do or is it just you know maybe animal brains aren't developed enough or do they live in this state you know do they can't
3: do we know um we'll obviously be guessing but my sense is yes they have a lot less self-identified thought so so they are more in 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 primal flow now they'll have instincts that helps Mm. them eat and procreate of course right but yeah absolutely so so babies animals you know that they they don't think as much as we do now our don't get me wrong the fact that we had this amazing ability to conceptualize and think is is why we have internet right yeah it's a beautiful thing and it's functionally and utilitarianly fabulous but we've completely used it for everything so to define our well-being and our sense of identity we've 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 we use thought Now, thought's great for working stuff out and creativity and all that kind of stuff of course it is and we need that and it's why we've evolved as a species but when it comes to our sense of the most profound things in life connection love resilience creativity inspiration we don't want to be using that that self-mind it's a very unreliable narrator as well and it creates perceptions based on its conditioning which it then tells us are true but they're, ne- they're never true because we're always living in a kind of real, but never true, perceptual illusion. But the conditioned mind is trying to make sense. It's a meaning-making machine that's so always trying to make sense of things and categorize things. And it creates habits to try and um, make itself feel better. Forgetting true peace is before the activity of the mind, of the, of the localized mind appears what what is reality then <laughs> oh wow just a small question for that andy yeah a small <laughs> one what, no, what, it, is, what is reality mom, so i i'll I'll, I'll, give, I'll give my answer is uh, we perceptually have no idea right so whatever deeper reality is we don't know because we don't have the perceptual hardware to find out but what they have science is now starting to show and there's a wonderful scientist called donald hoffman who i would check out his stuff um is that we kind of know that deeper reality is not time, space, and matter. Whereas we've always been told in the materialism view that time, space, and matter is foundational in, in reality. Time space, and time, space, and matter are our perceptual filters on the world, like a desktop UI to help us navigate. So just like your icon you're looking at now of your Word document you know isn't really the word document, but it's a very helpful indicator. That's what time, space, and matter are. So deeper reality we, reality, we don't know. You know, Science will now say, well, 99% of it is dark matter, and we don't know what that is. So now that question, Andy, that you asked is a beautiful one from your conceptual mind that thinks it needs to know that. It doesn't. <laughs> but of course it wants to know. That's the seeking mind again.
0: Is it, is, is it worth um so there was a phrase you you used in the introduction Piers, that i think is worth kind of uh explaining a bit more which was the flow state um is it worth explaining that for those that don't understand flow state and some of those examples which i think probably leads on to what you've been explaining
3: yes let's get more practical and good good, good pullback so I'll, i'll put another little phrase in this called the aperture so If you like, at any moment in time, we're always in an aperture as a metaphor between the self mind, the conditioned mind and this wonderful infinite potential that we all are, right? Which has innately in it just creativity and nature and intelligence and love and all those things that, that we, when we're really, really in an open aperture we experience. Now that aperture is sort of contracting and expanding. Now, when we're going through our day, and we're really you know everything feels a little bit hard we're having to kind of grind psychologically um we've got lots of thinking going on we're second guessing ourselves you know and 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 life feels a little bit more uh, that's a more contracted aperture that's not flow right there's a lot of noise in the mind the world feels quite hard right now in other times and it can be one minute apart we get this sense of just flow where thoughts pop in our head of what to do oh yeah i know what to do we just listen really deeply a lot of the things that were bothering us the day before have kind of dissolved i'm like mm. oh yeah i can i know what to do about that Like right? insights come in and that's when we'd say our aperture is more expanded right and actually the world looks and feels differently depending on your aperture now most people and this is the lovely thing that when people get to see this it's amazing most people go yeah i i, I can relate to the aperture thing but that's depending on what's going on for me. If I've got a difficult day or kids are being difficult or <clears throat> yeah. bank balance is on the wrong when way. When you're
2: stressed, it feels like that aperture is small.
3: And it feels like the environment, the situation, my past, who I am contracts my aperture. Now, what' great to get people to explore is it's actually the other way around. So your aperture determines the world you see. Now, you can check this out really quite easily. So let's say you're you're having a bit of a stressful day and you jump in your car or jump on the train. Everyone else looks stressed and annoyed. Right? So the aperture determines what you see in the world and the level of access to our resourcefulness. But it isn't that the world creates our aperture and we are victim to that. No, what aperture we are in determines the world. Now, when we're in expanded aperture, we're in this lovely thing that Ian referred to as flow. And people will probably have moments of that in their day. Now, what one thing we're doing in quality of mind at a very basic level is we're increasing the ratio of time you spend in flow. Because when we understand that the only thing contracting that aperture down is a self-identification with what we are, which is going back to the profound <clears throat> waffling I was doing earlier, right? <laughs> when we have realizations about that, we have less self in the way, so the aperture is more open, so, we live, so the world looks different, and we're in more,
0: flow more often. Yeah the The example um I think we talked about on the course peers, which I might may have misremembered was the 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 idea of, of how open and how many great ideas you get when you're in the shower <laughs> yes <clears throat> yeah. when you're not really thinking about an awful lot, you're going through the practicalities of of getting yourself clean, and then you're like, "Oh wow, why don't we do this, or why don't we try that yeah. Uh, and you don't have a notebook handy, obviously.
3: Yeah, and it's nothing to do with the water, right? No. Yeah. So, but what happens in that moment when we're doing something quite mundane at a, at a motor task, you know, often the mind switches off, right? And in the space, new ideas come through. And that's why some people say, oh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sleep on that or put it on the back burner. What they really mean is I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just l- l- let the impersonal mind, as I'd nickname it, right, work that out. My hmm. self-mind it's it's too all over it and it's got all this layering and these lids and this conditioning and the programming and it's too fixed so accidentally by getting out of the way pop something turns up yeah and you see it differently the feeling change and you have a little insight you're like oh now we try and reverse engineer things like that through our mindfulness and our meditation and our techniques and that's what i did for years you know and when we understand how it actually works that all we have to do is just see the self as real and never true and we dissolve back into this essence for a moment we get that space back
2: peter so are you at a point where that's easy for you where you can almost you know click your fingers and you just do it
3: well what, what's or, interesting Andy, is, is, is you don't do it it kind of happens, happens. or it doesn't yeah. <laughs> good news and bad news in that yeah there's no technique there's no tool you're like oh my but i need a technique and a tool But the good news is there isn't but as the system i would describe use the phrase recalibrates the self this self-mind conditioned conceptual self-mind kind of reduces its grip right and as that starts to dissolve and, and you know a lot of your narratives dissolve you find it easier to get into that spacious place so i would say over time the recalibration i've had yeah absolutely Mm. It's made a huge difference to me, but you can't do it. Mm. But there is a recalibration. You can help yourself by pointing yourself in the right direction. Mm. And
2: Ian, the question I was asking you just before we came on, <clears throat> obviously having gone through this, how have you found that recalibration? Did you, did you find old habits die hard, and you'd go back to like your old ways, and and so on? Or, you know, how how easy did you find it to? It would just happen or not?
0: Yeah, so so we, we had a, a um, some pre work with with our course, um, and we had uh, three days off site as a leadership team, where we were all supporting each other, and we all uh, kind of progressed at different speeds. There was there was one chap that was with us, David, that seemed to get it in the first morning, and he was just like, "Yeah, I get it." With us. Uh, probably took me two or three days and and I would say I'm open to new approaches, but I'm certainly not spiritual in any way. And some of the language kind of put me off a little bit and therefore I I kind of held back. Whereas I I started to learn more when we were reflecting on not judging things, not prejudging Examples of of going into situations, not prejudging people, and that kind of opened my mind a little bit more. Certainly, um, and as as a leadership team, whilst we were together, we supported each other after the course. So we met up on a on a weekly basis to kind of you know check in with a how your quality of mind was and and how you were um, applying the things that we learned. Which I suppose kind of goes against the the idea, P is that it, it you don't have to try, but we were trying to keep the momentum going as a as a group. Um and, and if you remember we were um we were developing some some um team leadership qualities at the same time. So there was there were a couple of things that we were we were putting together. Um I, I have to say in the years that followed, I kind of certainly lost the, these these ideas um and, and and how to do things and i'm I'm picking it back up now and certainly the 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 idea of a of a sort of a closed aperture for me it, it even boils down to how how my body reacts i i clench up i sort of i'm, I'm handled over my desk more um and I feel uncomfortable when when my sort of aperture's sort of closing whereas you know, I literally sit back and kind of see things far more broad when I'm in flow <clears throat> um, and my aperture is open. <clears throat> and I, I certainly think about how I've lots and lots of examples of where time has found the solution to a problem for me. So I've, I've let something go for a, a couple of days and I've come back and I found the solution that was pretty easy actually to a problem that I felt was quite difficult a couple of days ago.
3: And, and I think, Ian, there's one thing I wanna say about the body, because this is, this is a nice little takeaway for, for listeners, is that the biggest way to know what your aperture's up to isn't by asking yourself, oh, you know, how, how, how's my aperture right now? You know, am I feeling closed-minded, open-minded, but where's myself? It's to literally just notice The sensations that are coming through the system. Now you gave a little, little, little side of that where you said you can sense it in the body. That when feels things feel tight, then that's just telling you one thing. It's just telling you your aperture is contracted, and therefore what's coming through the system in terms of perception, thoughts, you don't really need to buy into, right? Because it's coming from a lower aperture. Yeah. So. What we tend to use is emotions and feelings as kind of, oh, well, if this feels big and heavy, it must be scary and horrible, or it must be hard, almost like to validate the content of our perceptions and thoughts. Now, if you can just spot, oh, right, this is coming through a more, sensationally, I can tell my aperture's contracted. Therefore, I don't want to lean into this psychologically right now, right? I I I, I can back off my thinking because it's coming from my conditioning, it's coming from my programming, coming from my narrative and I can let that pass through the system I I can still feel it but I'll let it pass through the system and then that allows to space for fresh but we've so innocently been conditioned that if I feel bad it's because the world is bad and I have to fix that but really it's it's like a barometer but it's a sensational barometer not a thought-led one because thoughts will tell you all sorts of things that aren't true
0: does that make sense yeah
1: I suppose that's where we sort of and it's funny because I asked the question about how do you sell this? And you said, basically people say it's brilliant. I can't explain it. You need to go try it. And we're sort of there, aren't we? Because, because, because I'm like now thinking, okay, so I'm in this room doing this course. What am I doing? Am I just sitting there waiting for a revelation? Um, and I don't mean to trivialize it Piers. I'm genuinely like, because, because we all know we, we go and sit in those rooms virtually or in reality and hell, I've been the person running the sessions in those rooms where it's it's all about the post-it notes and the, the the, the yeah, have you read the book and all that jazz? Um, so I am I remain intrigued. I remain intrigued by the process that you go through, even though you're not going through a process and what you're doing, even though you're not doing anything. All of these things.
3: <laughs> well, well we, we are sort of doing something. We are pointing people to explore, right? And the direct sure. inquiry process is, you could call it a process, but mm. people actually have to do it rather than just think about it
1: rather or hear about it. Yeah. Yeah.
3: And go, Oh yeah, I thought I know what you mean. So you're saying step back all the perceptions and then there's something there. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. No, 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 no. Do it, do it. Mm. Actually explore it. Right. And I'll give Mm. you a tiny taste of it on on this episode, but there's an episode where we we go through it more, but, and then if the mind, and this is why we do orientation before our courses, if the mind is sitting there in the room with their arms crossed going, come on then revelation hit me. (laughs) That's not the most fertile place to be yeah right because that, that's the thinking mind getting all, all you know and so part of the job of of facilitation is to help people with that because we know there's a tendency to do that
1: yeah sure and we can
3: help you with that right it's, it's not a problem but, because it's a fascinating real-time thing to spot look what my mind's up to oh yeah and then we can use that because it's real for any money back guarantees here so if you we do yeah it- yeah oh, do i really do, I do, I do, I do offer it yeah <laughs> yeah no, he's... And it's because if someone doesn't get true value out of it i'd say yeah have your money back because I, I i am still mystified as to how this works sometimes because you can take a room full of people who are really quite skeptical to start with and as the course unfolds now if they want it in an hour or two no you have to come and do the you know the, the, the three days we can do it one-to-one we can do it quicker than that but in a group it's amazing how the the, the the resonance comes through and, and very rarely do we get someone who's like no not at all it does happen occasionally but that's because they're really not up for it mm.
2: i was going to um, ask do you, do you get do you find some people just no they're just for whatever uh, reason
3: the, the the odd one or two but really in the intake we'll be we working that out Right. I and mean, we might say, look, I think this person's just so not up for this. And they just yeah. have to sabotage it or, or whatever. Yeah. Or, they're or just, just so because... uncomfortable yeah. doing it. So, so, so we would, we, we, you can tell that quite quickly. Yeah. Most people would love to have the realization they're just in their own way, innocently in their own way. Yeah. Not yeah. there are, you get the odd person that it's probably something going on with their relationship with the company or the organization. And they're like, I don't want to be sitting here. And that, yeah. that. you get the odd one or two. And then you get a lot of people, the only other thing you get is sometimes, someone tries so hard to get it yeah (laughs) they're so keen because they've heard about it and they just they're like a little puppy and their mind's too busy yeah
0: Yeah. now
3: usually that will settle down but that's almost you know kind of very very like yeah that there's i want to get it and then there's someone who was a bit nonchalant on day one who has a massive insight on day three they're like how did they get it and i didn't well because they didn't care that much (laughs) We did yeah. a course once where the cameraman was the most enlightened person at the end of it, because <laughs> he wasn't really trying to listen. Yeah.
1: Oh, I love that! And he was oh, just lo- soaking in. Just, he was curious, but not.
3: You know, his job was to set up the, the gear, right? You yeah. know, the AV gear, um, but was just. And at lunch, he was talking to me. I was going, "Wow, you've really been hearing." This. Yeah, I have, haven't I? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so it's a different kind of learning. It's not an intellectual learn. Yeah.
1: And it's another thing where I think it's fascinating how, because there's a, the, one, of my, one of my jobs, my day job, we have a product where I, I always say to <coughs> prospects and, and clients who've signed up, this is only going to work as well as the context it's going to land in. Okay. So it's, it's not going to, bluntly, it's a wellbeing product. It's not going to fix your toxic hours culture, let's say. or or the individual who's behaving poorly who is undermining people's well-being this isn't going to fix it and I and I think it's fascinating because an awful lot of organizations people go on courses especially if they go together and unless there is the kind of team that Ian talked about where people want to support each other if you're if you're trying to get better better quality of mind than the person next to you because you're both pitching (laughs) for the same promotion I'm guessing you might be the people who just never get
3: it yeah yeah um, and we're, we're quite careful in how we set it up right so that's why we do an orientation and those kind of things um yeah. and that's and it's not you know it's not a mainstream product i wouldn't say everyone come i mean i would say everyone come and do it but only if, you, if you're in the right place to do it so sure. and i think the wonderful thing is that as organizations start to see it more and more how it becomes the fertile ground for everything Yes. So we've got some companies that we work with that admittedly are smaller ones that put it in their induction. Ah. Uh, because they're like, oh, everything comes from this. Yeah. Because if you think about it, it's like a ripple in a pond. The mind is at the center of everything. I mean, tell me what isn't related to the mind.
1: Mm.
3: Everything creativity, <clears is> resilience, <throat> well being, um, leadership, teamwork, uh, it, it's all. So <laughs> if this can just increase. The level of the mind's operation, then why wouldn't you? Quick question is How
2: how do you so from from that kind of having that quality of mind and that almost clarity, as it were? How do you then get to a to to take advantage of that? You've almost got to have your thoughts back in place to do something, you
3: know, to help yeah. you with whatever. It, how how do you how does that work? How do you do well, that? And this is the beautiful thing: How does the profound go to the practical in a way?
0: Yeah, and that's yeah.
3: because and and Ian sort of mentioned it a little bit. You know you get you have what we would call more insight you have more fresh thought coming through so kind of your current view of the world slightly changes revolt dissolves and new thoughts come through so what so when Ian was and his team were working out ways to help their quality of mind practical things like i think you all decided to sit near each other or something i can't remember what it was mm, yeah. that's a fresh thought it can why don't we do that and it comes through with a kind of obviousness like oh what do you think of that before i said you know so Absolutely, the self-mind and thoughts. It's not like you know you're banned from thinking ever. Not at all. <laughs> it's your relationship to your thoughts change and fresh thoughts come through. Because all if you think about it, all change, Andy, happens through realization. And by realization, I mean when one set of thinking, one mindset dissolves and a new one emerges. That's how all change happens. Through it's individual realization. And what this does, this process of quality of mind, is it increases your propensity for realization. And with realization comes through new ways of seeing the world, new behaviors. It just comes new habits, old habits. And we've had people going spontaneously vegetarian, we've had people with pains disappeared. All this kind of stuff just happens. And this is the magic of it, which I might feel trite and intangible. But there's something about spending reconnecting back with that space that is our true sacred home, if you like, that space of what we call the eye before the self. That does it, it's it's like that beer commercial it reaches the parts so that the beers can't reach I can't it's Carlsberg or Heineken or wherever it is other beers available um <laughs> it, it it gets it really it, the, other, the other metaphor I use is it's like an invisible drain cleaner you pour it down and flow gets better you don't really know what it's doing down there you know like that stuff you pour down a bit of smoke and then poof, oh my taps work better my drain's clearing faster yes. so it does go to the
0: <clears throat> it does and <clears throat> I'd, I'd probably say as well for those people that are maybe listening and are still non-spiritual people like myself. Um,
3: that- I love your classification. In yeah, you're just as spiritual as everyone, but never mind. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Difference between religious and spiritual. Oh shoot! I'll oh, just be very, very clear. Yeah, yeah. Nothing. Yeah, totally different. Yeah, and yeah. I don't use the word. I, that's why I use before psychology, not
0: spiritual. So, so for for me, a lot of this stuff as well um it's kind of like as you go through change and you get new insight and then you start to move forward and performance gets better and you you start to feel that you're in a higher performance area with all of these things that's for me when it really starts to take on because initially you're doing it through faith and you think okay well These guys know what they're talking about. We feel that we're doing good stuff in this room and some great ideas and some great insights personally and as a group. And then when you get to the real world and you're doing this stuff and things start to change for the better, little by little, that for me is that kind of practical performance tick on that, that really makes this different, actually.
3: Uh, and you're absolutely right. I mean, I'm, I, I, you know, I'm the least woo woo person and um, if it doesn't produce practically for me, I'm not interested that doesn't mean it happens that within the first five minutes, but, um, but it, it has to, to deliver at the sharp end. Yeah. Otherwise it's just a nice hobby. Otherwise, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but, yeah. you know, and you just have to have a look at the testimonial videos and, and, you know, it's just amazing. And, and for me, you know, you know, when I went through some things in life, it really was a good test. I thought, I wonder if this is gonna stand up to it. Oh yeah, it did. Wow. And and that often, sometimes when the rubber really hits the road with people is when they go through something quite significant and they're like, wow, I didn't, I had someone the other day who said, I didn't realize my quality of mind where it was until I'd gone through a person that has a death in the family and some issues with some siblings, et cetera. And she goes, I didn't realize my quality of mind was there because it just came in and just, and I was like on a different plane to usual so you know it's sort of it's, it's yeah it has to be practical
0: yes and that's that's probably a good place to press pause <clears throat> actually on the podcast because i think we've we've gone through i think a mind-blowing journey of trying to understand it trying to get hands around it using some practical understanding of it um but we've squeezed within an hour what you usually do within three days, so we I think we'll we'll understand if the listeners aren't fully with us but but fears is there two things that somebody is intrigued can can do after this podcast that will really help them
3: yeah and I, I'd say two things the, the one is listen to our other podcasts mm-hmm. right because there's some great self learning there and then at a more practical level for you on a day to day basis, just have a play with You might want to listen to the bit that we did about this, but separating out the self from what's pre. So just go for your day and just get yourself 30 seconds, right? And just notice how, when you're, let's say you're feeling frustrated, right? Just ask yourself the question, on whose behalf am I feeling frustrated? (laughs) Right? And it'll be, well, me, me's feeling frustrated and go, well, hang on. The, The me is also a thought along with these frustrated sensations and and thinking, right? So it's on behalf of this made-up thing that I'm having this frustration. And if I drop my story, my narrative, my thought overlay about frustration, it's purely sensation. And then if it's purely sensation, it just disappears off. That's why kids only tantrum for a few minutes when they have and then they go because they don't have a self to grab onto. So what you can practically do in your day is give yourself 30 seconds, and a minute at a time and just go, hang on a minute. Am I thinking I'm me running this world? Oh, maybe I'm not. And then just fall back into kind of nature running us hmm. and see that the self is just a <clears> thought along with the other ones. Now, there's a little podcast that tells you how to do that as well, if you want it, but I can put it in the show notes. (laughs) But that would be my practical thing.
0: Cool. Thank you, Piers. Um, And thank you, Andy and Helen, uh, for your pre-work and your effort and and being the guinea pigs in this new style of podcast that we're we're trying. I really appreciated the time that you put into this. So thank you both.
2: Pleasure. Pleasure.
1: Thank
0: you. So, as always, thank you for choosing to listen to What the Future. If you've enjoyed this episode, then please hit subscribe and tell others about us. And finally, mentoring, that's the, that's the reason why um, we set up Future Leaders, but we think it's a hugely valuable step on the leadership journey and we're here to help make a difference. If you feel the same way, then please get involved. Tap the Join Us button on our webpage, which is www.futureleadersmentoring.com and follow us on LinkedIn where we have some great conversations and, and please get involved. So for now, goodbye and we'll speak again soon. Bye, all. Bye. Hey. Hi